I didn't love myself, right? If I can't tell you who I am, how can I truly love myself? So when you don't love yourself, you, you suppress stuff in. And best believe it comes out in different ways. You can suppress it in one way and it pops out different ways. So validation issues. I needed you to tell me how great I was because I didn't believe I was great. So imagine, you you know, dating someone or having friends, you always got to get them to give you this validation, you know. Um, I didn't feel good about myself, so I had low self-esteem. I didn't think I was good enough. You know, I think everybody, I put everybody on pedestals. I used to put, oh, you're pretty and you're this and you're that. And I had everybody on these pedestals. They had problems too, but in my world, it looked like they had it together because I didn't love myself. Hey, it's your imaginary best friend, Finch. And I know at times life can seem hard and you can feel stuck with no valuable answers and nowhere to go. Listen, I have a host of secrets and recipes that will not only help you enhance your lifestyle, career, relationships, and finances, but also help get your ass off the fence. And just because you're not where you want to be doesn't mean you're not where you're supposed to be. So let's go do the work. This episode starts now. Hey, welcome to Off the Fence. I am Finch, and uh, listen, guys. Today, I guess is, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to kind of picture how I'm going to introduce our guest today, because you you have no idea who's sitting before you. Uh, I'm just gonna tell, I'm gonna tell you what they told me about our guest tonight. Okay, y'all ready? All right, here we go. I, I guess it, her life's goal is to help others overcome their doubts and insecurities by facing them head on. Y'all hear that? She's a motivational speaker, an author, and she's here tonight to help you get your ass off the fence about how you ring out. <laughs> I get teary. I think about how you ring out your sponge. You like what the hell is my sponge? She gonna tell you. Y'all welcome to Off the Fence, Miss Regina Smithwick. Hello, hey, Regina, how you hello, doing? Group, how y'all doing? Lively bunch. Yeah, give her the claps. Look at me, Give the, her the claps. The, the claps. The, the, <laughs> the crowd goes wild. Yeah, you gotta give her the Thank cheers. you, Detroit. <laughs> Let her know she's. She's me. There you go. Come on with the cheers. <laughs> All right, stop that shit. <laughs> All right, so how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Hey, I am fantastic. We it's so, such an honor to have you here with us tonight. And hopefully your ass ain't sitting on the fence and we gotta get you off of it first before you can get the people off of it. Oh no, we good. We good. Okay, she said, yes. Hey, don't play with me. I'm ready. I came with my guns blazing. All right. So, so, so when we talk about wringing out your sponge, most people are going to hear that and say, what the hell does that mean? So you are the inventor of that, that term. What does that mean from your perspective? Wring out your sponge means, let's think of the analogy of a sponge. So a lot of us carry around a lot of um, negativity or low self-esteem, um, validation issues, um, any, anything that will hold you back from living in your purpose and living your goals in life, right? So a lot of times we have to stop putting the cart in front of the horse and we need to stop 
and get rid of that first before we try to add on new belief systems, new processes, and new ideas. So the concept is, let's bring out all of those insecurities, the low self-esteem, or validation issues. Let's get it all out. And now you're able to absorb new processes, new ideas, and new belief systems. So let's start there because people will hear this. And I think in our in our society, especially in this day and age of social media, you got influencers, you got life coaches, you got, uh, I don't know what to call the people that Nate hang out with on Wednesdays, but you got all these people with titles and, and, and brands. And so people will say, okay, there's a host of people telling me every day what I should do, or what I shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. But however, when you talk about ringing out insecurities, you're talking about ringing out belief systems. How does one go about doing that? Because do you believe people need to be able to understand what purpose is before they can live it? Yeah, living your purpose is very important. We are brought here. Literally, we all birthed through a canal to be here to serve and serve a purpose. Not one person, everybody on this earth has a purpose. Now, it takes some people along the others to find a purpose. And some people maybe never find it. It's based on what you put your work in. You got to put your work in. Um, but if you feel that in your life, you just feel stagnant, you feel that you're just existing, you're floating, you don't feel like you have any substance, that's giving you the signs that something's not right and you need to find that purpose. Now, wringing out the sponge is the beginning stages of it because you have to have a foundation of base to start with, right? So when you have that base, it's clear. And then now you could be able to do, because a lot of us are walking on belief systems from other people. Because remember, we were born, we brought through, and then our parents are the first line of fence, right? And then they give you their belief systems, and then your grandparents, and then your friends, and then your teachers. So you're walking around with other people's belief systems, and a lot of times we don't question our belief system. We just do what was told to us, because we trust the, the generations behind us. So when we do that, we kind of live in other people's lives. And so when we really get the friction, we start feeling... Um, confliction is because we're not living the life that we're supposed to live. We live in the life that everybody else expects us to live or what they gave us based on their paths. Right. And and, and I think that's so true. Uh, I've said this for quite a a bit of time. We trust the messenger without ever vetting the message. We we don't vet what they told us. We just believe it. And here's the thing. We believe that today this society in this day and age is so programmed it's ridiculous like so they'll put we was just having this conversation this past weekend they'll put something in the media we'll believe it because it was said to us and we we are blindly trusting the messenger we don't ever vet the message we don't vet the background we don't vet the 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 reason for why they tell it we just believe it because it was said to us. And if you come along and you question that because you are a free thinker, then you are deemed or seen as the problem. Right. And the problem. So I can give you a little example, if you don't mind. So a grandmother was cooking chicken. She always cooked chicken. She breaks the legs off the chicken. She puts it in the pan. She puts it in the oven. So her daughter saw her doing it. And her daughter said, oh, OK, that makes it taste better. There must be something about it. So I'm going to do that. So she did the same thing, break the legs off, put the chicken in there. So then her daughter saw it, but her daughter decided to ask the question, Ma, why do you break the chicken off and the legs off and then put it in the oven? She said, I don't know. That's what my mother did. She said, Grandma, why did you do that? She said, baby, my oven was too small. So I had to break the legs off 
to where the chicken could fit in the pan to put it in the oven. So all these three generations thought it was a special recipe. They thought it was tradition. They thought it would taste better. It was just that her oven was too small. That's what we do. We just carry things on and don't ask questions. And then there's nothing to it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> look at look at the friends' faces. <laughs> <laughs> Like I be breaking the chickens off my legs, and they, I, I didn't know why I did it either. But that that is so true, and, and and that is too. I think how we we don't realize this, and I've been saying this for a minute. Our parents taught us what their parents taught them, and their parents taught them what their parents taught them. And you got a perpetual cycle of erroneous teaching because somebody said this is the way it's supposed to be and then today we don't question why I, I do that with friends and family I'm asking why you believe what you believe because again if you don't get to the root of why you can never change that and you'll you'll continuously go on with the belief systems or the system of other people and other entities because this is what you were taught and I think correct me if I'm wrong, that's part of the ringing out process is if you don't clean out what somebody told you and you're only doing it because you was taught or told it and you don't understand why or what's the purpose of that, how can you now understand what your life purpose is and how you go about performing it if you're, if you're basing everything off for something else or somebody else that taught or told you something? Man, let me. Am tell I you. right about this, Regina? Yes, doing your work. See, it takes work to do your work. A lot of people are scared to do their work. No, uh, uh-uh. uh. You got to say that one more time because there's some people <laughs> in the back that ain't hearing this shit. Say it louder, Regina. People don't understand doing your work takes doing your work, and it's hard because you got to take that mirror and literally turn it again around and go, "Hey, this is what's wrong with me." I can tell you now. I have validation issues. I have low self esteem. I have, um, I had issues. I had issues with friends. I had issues with men. I had issues. And I could tell you that today. That's hard. A lot of people can't tell you that stuff because they scared that you don't judge them. But guess what? Secret is everybody has something. <laughs> Nobody scared out of his life without nothing. And when you realize yeah. that you will see that the veil is revealed and everybody's like the matrix, right? So when your matrix gets revealed, you realize everybody around you, when you do your work, it's like an awakening. And when you do that awakening, you look around like literally like the matrix, like, oh, all these years I thought everybody got it together. We all messed up. We all screwed up. We all got different screw ups, but we all got something. And that makes us normal. It makes us normal and it makes us go, okay, I can give you grace because I understand because I'm not perfect. See, a lot of us walk around here because we want to, the world make you feel that you got to be perfect. And if you're not perfect, something's wrong. That's the false reality. We all have something wrong. We fall short. Every single person falls short. And Regina, that's the lie that we've all believed. Well, I ain't gonna say all because I don't believe that. I don't, I don't believe in perfection because it does not exist. It just doesn't exist. It never has existed in human beings. So, so this, this notion that people have that perfection exists and if they do all these one step, two step, four steps like you <laughs> on the R. Kelly video, then you're going to automatically be this person that does not have flaws, does not have shortcomings, but that's not true. And so I got to ask you this question. And, and friends, you, you guys can ch chime in here anytime. 
when did you realize it was time for you to ring out uh, your sponge? Because, I mean, in order for you to teach others, you it had to begin with you, right? I'm talking to you, Regina. Oh, I thought you wanted them to chime in. I'm sorry. I didn't want to overstep. No, I wanted them to. <laughs> I told them they could chime in. Oh, okay. Questions at the time, but I want okay. you to answer that question. When did you realize it was time for you to ring out your own sponge? It was a beautiful Saturday afternoon in September of 2019. I went on a date. Y'all dance. hear that? <laughs> she got the date. <laughs> the date with how the clouds look all that. It, it was a beautiful. Yeah, that part. I had a date. <laughs> yes, I had a date that night. And, you know, it was a, one of the first, first date and, you know, you know how sometimes you go on a date and really it's not the best date ever, but you're just trying to make it work because you like, you know, I'm just going to take this square and this circle. I'm going to make it work. And, you know, in my mindset at the time was like that, you know, I was more or less trying to fit the status quo of, you know, let me get a boyfriend. That's going to make my life amazing and blah, 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 blah. So um, later on that evening, I, I get home. He gives me a call. I'm thinking he's calling me to tell me, hey, you know. Got home safe. I enjoyed, you know, <laughs> thank you for the date. No, nah, he called to tell me that he didn't get this tingling feeling that he thought that he should have got. And that feeling didn't hit him. So he just felt that at this point, he did not want to date me anymore. Wow. So I said, okay. Then I started bombing him. How great I was. I'm amazing. What are you talking about? I got this. I got that. I got this. You got that. And, you know, and I had to stop myself and go, wait, what in the world am I doing? And that that moment, literally, I started crying. And I, I cried not because of the rejection. I cried because of the way I handled the rejection. Mm. You should not let no one, no one, especially someone you just met first time, shift your mood that much to make you feel the way I felt. And then at that moment, I knew I needed help. Something's not right here. Mm. Something's not clicking. Because if I knew who I was, if I know who I am, I should not let nobody make me feel the way that he made me feel. And it's not his fault. And it was grace of God that it did happen because he was part of the divine order. It was supposed to happen that way. I was supposed to have been going through that because sometimes he got to humble you for you to listen. And he knew men were my humble spot. So when he got me there, I was able to listen. And then the next day, 12 hours later, I was on the phone with a spiritual life coach and I started my process. Okay. Okay. You said something key just now. Um, and I think that's, that's the part of discovery that they don't talk about in society that people don't want to admit that is a true depiction of, I hear people say all the time, I did all this work and I worked on myself. And if you ask them specifically, what did they do? They can't tell you, they can't tell you not one thing, but you talked about just now about how you realized how, what he did and how you felt had nothing to do with him, but had everything to do with you. Oh, yeah. Nothing and, to do with him. And he we would, don't talk about that enough. He was playing his role. He was playing his role. That was his role. His role was supposed to be that person that said what he said to me because I had to get to that point to be able to hear and to be able to work on me. If I had kept on, you know, not if that didn't happen, it would just continue on because the problems that I had lied for the core issue. And my core issue was not loving myself because... I was adopted and I hid that for 50 years and I didn't tell nobody outside of my immediate family because I felt that that was a, a bad thing because people were teasing people who was adopted and they were saying your mama didn't love you. They left you on a step. They did, you know, I'm like I said, I was born and raised in New York all day and you don't give nobody nothing. I'm not telling you nothing. You ain't going to use nothing against me. 
So I took that 1976 uh, <laughs> um, child decision and took it all the way to um, 2020. And so I decided to reveal who I was and that lifted off everything off of me because now I'm living who I am. I'm standing on my truth now. That's interesting. Let me ask you, aside from the adoption issue, well, let me back it up. Do you think that most of what you felt sprang from the adoption issue or were there other things that played out in your life that you felt like you had to address? No, the adoption issue was the core because the core means I didn't love myself, right? If I can't tell you who I am, how can I truly love myself? So when you don't love yourself, you you suppress stuff in and best believe it comes out in different ways. You could suppress it in one way and it pops out different ways. So validation issues. I needed you to tell me how great I was because I didn't believe I was great. So imagine you, you know, dating someone or having friends, you always got to get them to give you this validation. You know, um, I didn't feel good about myself. So I had low self-esteem. I didn't think I was good enough. You know, I think everybody, I put everybody on pedestals. I used to be, oh, you're pretty and you're this and you're that. And I had everybody on these pedestals. They had problems too, but in my world, it looked like they had it together because I didn't love myself. When you don't love yourself, you allow a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff in your life that is not necessary because you're, I'm a people pleaser. I had a problem with that. I wanted to please everybody because see, I'm hiding behind it because I don't want you to know. So I got to make sure everybody's happy all the time. And then you didn't like me. I was like, how you don't like me? Everybody likes me. Like when somebody didn't like me, it bothered me. It shouldn't have bothered me because that's what I'm saying. That So the core, it answer your question, was the adoption? And then I realized because I didn't love myself, I allowed all that other stuff to come in. And, you know, Nate, the thing, too, that I've, I've learned through, uh, you know, uh, conversations with people who've been adopted. And when you look at people who uh, father or mother wasn't around, whether they was adopted or not, let's say they lived their grandmother, is that creates a because when you when you actually think of the makeup of our parents, part of their jobs is to nurture us and give us the love that that they have for us but if they were taught a certain way about love because most people don't have an inkling what love actually is then what what we lack in their absence creates that well somebody didn't love me whether whether we heard that or not you know i'm not i'm not saying somebody didn't tell you they love you but let's say for instance in a case where someone's being adopted the overwhelming feeling could be, well, my mother didn't love me because, you know, that's what kids say in society or that's what people say in society when it goes to adoption. Not really understanding the purpose of why this person was given up for adoption in the first place. You know what I'm saying? And so those types of things, because, I mean, I look at myself as and just like Regina, I had a uh, realization moment. It <laughs> happened in the airport, you know, uh, who, when I was uh, hanging out with some uh, well, not hanging out, but on my way back home to Atlanta with some friends uh, from an event that we had just had. And we was having this conversation about our fathers and me realizing my father not being there created this sense of validation in me where when people left my life, I felt a certain kind of way, you know. And so that stemmed from my father not being there. But as Regina is saying, when you when you have an understanding of what that Although we have, we all may have had, and some may still have, a host of issues. Understanding the core of a host of your issues 
is a great part to you resolving those issues. But when you don't have when you don't have an understanding of what your what made up your core of your issues, it's kind of difficult to start tackling a host of other things that may be be going on or may be wrong with you. So I, I kind of understood what she said when she was saying that about that being the core of her issues that allow her to start fixing all these other issues that she also discovered along that journey. Right, that's Regina? Right. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. I would say about my mom, uh, my birth mother, I had, an, um, I, like I said, I wrote a book about it. I had a different outtake on it. I felt that she gave me unconditional love by doing what she mm. did. Um, it, it's hard to, you know, if you have mothers out here, if you, you know, carried a child and did everything you had to do to make sure they're healthy, you know, you could just went to abortion clinic and been done with them. And she was True. 20, she was 20 years old. So she didn't have to do what she did. She didn't have to keep me and then give me a chance to make a mark in this world. And then imagine that she's holding you and she had me for three days afterwards, you know, back then. And it was a little different. They had me, you know, for three days. Imagine she had to like lady comes in the room and passes the baby, me over to her. And she walks down this long hallway knowing that I'm going away and she's never going to see me again because it was a closed adoption. That's unconditional love. Because she could have been selfish and try to keep me just because you're my baby and had me living in conditions that were not good for me because I had a beautiful life. So even though I missed out on that part, but she allowed me to get something else that, you know, my other siblings, you know, they would tell you today that was like, listen, I wish we had you, you know, longer, um, but you, 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 you had opportunities <laughs> that we never had. And I'm glad that you were able to get the best of both worlds. You were able to, you know, live that life and now you're able to live with us. So she's like, I wouldn't take it back, even though we missed you, but I'd rather for you to have what so you have. Right? Can I ask a got one other question I'd like to ask then? So it sounds like you went back and got I don't know if closure is a good word, but uh come to terms by reaching out to your blood family, is that correct? Yes, I did it two years ago. I found my uh, birth family, okay. yes, both sides. So mm -hmm. when you did that, because even if we do it, we still have to get that light switch in our own spirit to where, okay, I'm good with this. Can you can you describe what what it, what the thing that real that you realized that flipped that switch for you? Of finding my birth family, like what made me decide to, or what happened after I moved. <laughs> Yeah, because because even though you went back and talked to them, <laughs> mm -hmm. a lot of people might still hold that stuff inside them, because just because we find the truth, it's hard to change old habits. So, what specifically happened that 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 made you you know overcome that and move forward in a good place? Was it learning the truth from your mom, or just meeting everybody, or what? What was it? No, doing my work first. Because if I had met them, if I had met them 20 years ago or when I was 20, 30 years old, it wouldn't have been the same because my mindset wasn't the same. I came in with a clear conscience and understanding that, first of all, you got to go in not knowing what you don't know. You don't know. You don't know how they're going to receive you. You don't know they're going to take you. You don't know they want to be bothered. You don't know anything. Any adopted child that goes in to find their birth family, you take a chance. You don't know what you're going to get on the other side, right? You're mm -hmm. raised differently. You know, even though I found out, you know, of course, genetics do kick in because there's certain things now that I'm just like my brother. I look just like my sister. I look like them. I, me and my brother, like, literally, like, think just like those things happen because genetics, right? But when I went in to do it, my mindset was good. And I was like, my mind was clear. And I already had love for my parents. 
because I understood they were 20 and 21 years old. You got to remember when you're 20, 21 years old, you don't, the decisions you made then are not the same ones they would make today, you know, and, and, and going back and hearing stories about her, she regretted it, you know, of course, when she got in her forties, whatever, but you have to just decide what you got to do at that moment. She had two other kids. It would have been too overwhelming. She wanted to go back to school. She wanted to do better. I got it. I was part of the divine order. It was supposed to happen the way it happened. My life was divined out. She named me queen. Regina means queen. You know, she named me queen. My birth mother named me and my adopted mother let me keep her name. And she just gave me a middle name because she said she wanted me to have a connection with her. And she's like, hey, you're a queen. So we're going to leave it alone. So now I decided to live as a queen. I decided to put my crown on in 2019 and live the life that my mother designed me to live because I wasn't living it. All right. Hmm. Root, you had a question? So I wanted to, um, yeah, I did. Actually, I had a statement and a question. I wanted to first say, Regina, congratulations on the journey that you've been through and just being at the point now where you can live within your purpose and be able to share your story because there are so many people who go through a lot of these trials within their own lives and they're not strong enough to share it with other people. So, Mm -hmm. you know, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. But, you know, I, I wanted to, uh, listening to everything that you're saying is this is, these are things that I talk about a lot with many of my friends and family members. Um, you started out talking about how people are conditioned. Uh, we're we're trained based on the our parents and grandparents and aunties and uncles and our village. You know, they did the absolute mm-hmm. best that they could with the tools that they were given. But many times they didn't take time to instill the necessary tools in order to make us strong. They wanted us to be strong for the public, but not strong for ourselves individually. And I found that a lot of this, uh, the older generation have such a problem with the youth now because them motherfuckers question everything, (laughs) everything. These kids question everything. They, you could Mm -hmm. tell them the sky is blue. They want to know why is the sky blue? Who told you? Mm -hmm. Are you sure? Well, what shade? So they are challenging it all because they have this sense of wanting to, feel whole within themselves and not really caring about the surroundings. So given that I'm curious as to how your family has dealt with you becoming who you are now, you know, because they're used to the old Regina. So how did they manage, you know, and I'm asking this because there are a lot of listeners and viewers that, may be transitioning themselves and may find that they're having a difficult time with their family accepting their journey or even loving them um, with within this journey. So how did you man, how did you navigate that? And how is it now? That's a two part question. How'd you navigate it? How is it now? Whew, that's a great question. Okay. So when it first happened, Nobody is able to experience that experience unless you've been there, you know? So you have my family that I was raised with and they kind of went, they were happy, but they kind of were like, what about, what about my mother? Meaning their, their aunt or their sister, because now it's kind of like, well, how she feels about this? Because that's their, that's their, you know, we all feel, I don't want to do splits, but I'm, I'm trying to explain it to you. So they was concerned about her. My mother was like, I told her to do this years ago. 
what are you talking about? It's no big deal. Like she has the right to know her birthright. Every adopted child has the right to know where they come from. Nobody, you know, if you're going to adopt a child, I'm just a little sidebar, you have to be ready for that. You cannot expect a child to say, oh, dad, you here, forget all that. You forget all that. I took care of you. You don't, you don't need to know them. They ain't here for you anyway. You know where you come from because most adopted ch- parents are not adopted children. Most adopted parents know where they came from. So they got their given birthright, but they want to take that away from the child because they got insecurities of their selves because they scared you're going to meet someone and leave them alone. And that's not what it is. You're adding, you're not subtracting. You're adding your family. You're not taking your family away. That's Ooh. their insecurities. And they put them on you Ooh. because they're scared. See, that's a whole nother thing we can talk about. But anyway, <laughs> it, it happens. Oh, that, that is a thing for real. <laughs> like just hearing you say that, I'm like, people don't really get that. Like you think about, they're thinking about if you connect with people uh, with your birth family, that you're going to somehow disown them, not realizing all that they've invested in you and how much you love them. But you're right. You still have a right to yes. know. And I remember, y'all remember the movie uh, Antoine Fisher? Mm-hmm. Listen, that was back in the time where when that movie came out, I had not found my father. So when I saw <laughs> that, I was like, this is be for Everybody loved you that know? movie. <laughs> I like Fisher. I had to, I had to fist up and everything, man. You know, because I mean, when you think about how much love you have for people, and again, as kids, as, as Regina said, we're, we're the, you're the innocent one because you didn't ask to be adopted, you didn't ask to be again, you didn't ask to be abandoned. Mm-hmm. So you are the innocent one, and it just it makes so much sense. And I hope. The people heard what you said about that because you have people projecting how they feel on you and not realizing that that's causing turmoil within yourself. And it's unnecessary. It's not even needed. It's not. It's not even needed. And so when you when you out there um, meeting the people, you you have to deal with the your, your family that adopted you because they on a on a protected kind of thing. And then. They ask all these questions. Well, what, what about them? And what did they, you know, kind of like just because they did what they did doesn't mean, you know, they're bad people. You got to put yourself in their their shoes. You know, everybody has a story. Yeah. But guess what? All four of y'all made me. Two of you raised me and two of you made me. So y'all four together made this amazing person named Regina. So it's not about that. So I actually had a good experience at first. You know, of course, the first thing is like, well, how she feel? I'm like, she's fine. But after that was over, they was like, oh, we're so happy for you that you found your, you know, because I'm the first one in my family that was adopted outside of like an agency. Like they actually used the agency and, and did it like wow. lawyers and all that. But after, after me, there's eight others of me in my family that's under me. I'm the first one. So it was groundbreaking for my parents to do what they did. You know, but then after that, we now have about eight of us that's adopted in my family. So adoption is very prevalent in my family. It's not like a you know big thing, but nobody talks about it. They kind of just you just live. You know, they they make it feel comfortable for you. They don't say nothing about it. They treat you just like you part of you know blood related whatever. We never had issues. So raising with them was beautiful. They treated me amazingly. They still do, and they're so happy to meet my extended because they call them that's their family too. Cause that's my system, brother. That's their, you know, family too. So it was okay. Mm-hmm. 
So, Regina. So, I got to ask this question real uh, Go ahead. You ask your question first. Yeah, I was going to ask. So, you know, while I love hearing your your journey with the adoption portion of your life, I'd like to kind of bring it back and ask a question related to your first statement, which was wringing out your sponge. How did your family, how did you, how does your family deal with you undoing and coming to, um, coming to a place of balance with undoing some of the things that they've taught you based on the things that you've learned and applied that's going to be good for your soul. Cause that's usually, you know, not everybody that's listening to this has a law, you know, a parent that's not Mm -hmm. valid, not there or a parent that was adopted. But I think your, your core statement of wringing out that sponge, that was so impactful. So how can, how can people undo the things that don't serve them as adults and wring that sponge out and refill it with the things that they need in order to be in their purpose in life. That's a great question, yeah. Ruth. I see That's your sponge filling yeah. up with yeah. all kinds of stuff right now. Look at, look at that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was the question of the hour. Right? That is a great question. Go ahead. You know, this question. is my stuff. Yeah, I be on it. That is. Um, okay. So, it's it's a little difficult because, like you said, when someone's used to you, regardless who, if, whatever you do, changing in your life, right? They used to who you are and how you used to think, and when you come back, like no, like I have to learn. No is a complete sentence. Give me some examples of some of some of of things you have you've learned to say no to. Um, I'm not going to do that anymore. No, ma'am. No, sir. See those little qu- and, they, and they look at you and they blink in their eyes like that's it. um if somebody asked me to do something because i was always Mm. a people pleaser and you can't blame them it's not their fault it's your fault you created that monster they didn't do anything but just do what you allowed them to do see and that's a lot of times what we do we get mad you can't get (laughs) mad at these people you've been doing this for years now you decide to change you think they're gonna change with you they're gonna be like um what's the problem i'm not gonna do that why because i'm not and then they go and you look at them, they look at me, I look at you, you look at me, you look at them, and then they still looking at you. Cause they they used to be giving explanations. Oh, why you can't oh I can't do it because I gotta go over here, I gotta do this. Oh well, I I need you at, at 8 30, not at 9 30. You can still do it. Well, you know what? That's true. Maybe I can fit it in and da da and before you know it, you're doing it. Now I'm just going, no. Lord. Regina, let me see, let me see your no face and blink. Because you know it come with a whole facial expression. You know when they ask you something and you be like, no. I had to graduate. So first I used to just blink and just look at them and blink. Like, I used to be like. <laughs> and then I turn it into a smile. And I go, no, I can't do it. See, because I didn't want, you know, I had to, you know, because I'm, I'm trying to give grace and I'm trying to understand that people don't know. They got to get used to the new. They got to get used to it. So you don't want to be abrasive with it. Because before I was like, mm, no, nah, I no, I'm not going to do it. And so they look at you like, this girl crazy. But no, but you have to stand in your truth because see, they've been doing it for years. These people that I say no to said no to me many times. It's not like it was a given, like, you know, we were yesing each other all day. I was getting no's. Yeah. You, you know, but you're not entitled to say no. You're always supposed oh, to yeah, be Oh, yeah, yeah, because I, I created the monsters, and now I have to retrain the monsters to understand that I'm doing what you do. I'm doing what you do. You act like I'm doing something that's different. I'm doing what you're doing. 
You do this to me too. I don't have to say yes all the time. It got so bad one time <laughs> that one of my relatives just assumed I was going to do something. She was like, oh yeah, just go ahead and do. You didn't even ask me. You just assume because I always do. So to answer your question, it's, it's a difficult task because they have to get used to the new you, but they have no choice. Just like I had to get used to them, they got to get used to me. And I I, I think my tolerance level is like, soon as they say something up like, look, whatever, you want to do it, it's fine with you. You like it, I love it. You like it, I love it. I'm not going to go baiting back and forth with you about stuff. You like it, I love it. It don't affect me. If it doesn't affect my narrative and doesn't affect who I am, it doesn't affect what I got to do. I was like, yo, cool. They're like, that's it? Yep. I'm not going back and forth with you. It's your life. I can't tell you what to do. I ain't going back and forth with you. <laughs> yeah, that part. Yeah, but that's what you do, you know. But I used to be so engaged and so, because I, you know, I, I, I'm a motivational speaker. And one of the reasons why is because I love to motivate people. I love to tell me, you could do it. You could do it. You're the greatest, you know. And it's great. I love doing that. But let's bring this sponge out first because I can tell you this all day and you're not going to believe me anyway. So your work has to be done. That work is, man, that work was no joke. It was some days I used to be like, man, I, yeah, I get, I, you know what? I'm good. I'm good where I'm at. You know, a lot of that also has to do with the fact that most people that are unable to be grateful have a lack of confidence within themselves. They're basing their lives and the they're basing what they should be grateful for on what other people have and how they're living. When you are, as you said, living in your purpose, confident in who you are, comfortable with what you've achieved and the work that you've put in to achieve it, you tend to approach life differently. So that gratefulness comes with ease because you know that it could be something different, but you also are aware of where you come from. Because everyone who has something good came from a place where they didn't. Everyone who had a car, they remember that gratefulness comes from remembering when you were on the bus or remember when you were driving a vehicle that you had to get fixed every month. You know, buy, back when you only had to buy one tire because that's all you could afford to say, you know what, I'm just going to replace all four of them. So it's about that, you know, that inner confidence. And you mentioned that early on that that just kind of it's it's really a it's a package deal you know you can't have one without the other so you have to find the gratitude first because you got to find what's good in it first because you're going all negative you're not going to go right because your body's going to do automatically retract because your body's going to say well it's bad you know i ain't going through all this you know no, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for breathing. I'm grateful for love. I'm grateful for my parents. I'm grateful. When you find so many things you're happy about, it makes it easier for you to work on others. Because you kind of, not tricking yourself, but reprogramming your brain to be happy with what you already have before you even decide to change what you need to change. So I would say gratefulness That's is true. the first step. So let me ask you this, Regina. When, when, when we're talking about, because what you're saying is true about being grateful and uh as as you as you guys were saying that i was thinking like um this is the first quarter the second third about the grateful <laughs> stuff um, but how does one learn how to be grateful because you're right there's a host of things to be grateful for however i find in dealing with people 
the issue for a number of people is they don't know how to learn how to be grateful. And I know that's one of the things that you um, you do in, in your life coaching is. So so I'm, I want you to share with our, our, our audience, how would one go about learning how to be grateful? How do, how do they do that? What are some things that people can do to okay. learn how to be grateful? I'm going to teach you real quick. So let's say you sleep, right? And then you wake up. Guess what? I'm grateful. I opened my eyes this morning. That's where it starts. You open your eyes, you're breathing again. How can you not be grateful for not breathing? You, it's a given. Like, it's not a given. You know, a lot of people don't wake up. So I tell, I tell people, that's your first step. You woke up. Say thank you. People will be like, oh, I can't stand Mondays. Mondays are horrible. I say, you keep on talking. Keep on telling somebody you don't like a Monday. You won't wake up. <laughs> keep on playing. You, you know, won't wake up like, on the next Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I said, but if you. But entitled you know, people don't don't understand that that aspect. People who who was taught to be entitled, they don't. They feel entitled to waking up every morning. They feel entitled to driving whatever car they have, even if it's not the best car. But they feel entitled. How do how do you get past that? Or is that one of those things, Regina, where where you're you're not at a place in your life where you're ready to wring out that sponge in order to even begin that process? But when you're entitled. Look at the life that they in. Look at their life. That life, see, people lies tell you about what's going on. Like just a lot of times we always are all the pilot. We don't look. We just do, 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 do. Sit back and just observe people and look at their lives. And I guarantee you it's repeat cycles over and over again. They repeat over and over again. They never, they chase their tails. They never come out from their tail chase. So even though it looked like they got it going on, they got it together, they got this, they got that. They always complaining, they always nagging, they always saying something's wrong, they always, you know, finding the negative and everything. They never see the silver lion. And then, you know, they bring you down because that's that negative energy on you. Hey, right? Regina. So even though they seen a title entitled doing the same thing over and over again, is not getting anything. What are you getting? You're getting nothing. You've been entitled to the same stuff you've been entitled to for years. What have you done lately? What have you done new? What have you, like you said, the car is a perfect example. The same car they have. Okay. But guess what? You could get better. You know why? Because if you think of that car, like, I'm so grateful for having this car. I'm so happy that I have the car I have because I could be riding the bus. It's cold in the wintertime. I could be at the bus stop sitting there, but I do have a car. It's not the greatest looking car, but it's reliable. And that's how you get blessed. And that's how you manifest new to your life when you're grateful for what you have now. So that that, that entitlement is not as nice as everybody make it seem. They like entitlement. Like, it's a great thing. It's not great. It's called repeating your mistakes over and over again. It's like living in Groundhog's Day. That's basically what you're doing. I was thrown in front of a bus. So, <laughs> I was thrown in front of a bus, knocked down a well. <laughs> yeah. So, so I got a question. Uh, Root, you just said something that's key. Um, and you, you talked about people... Um, understanding their purpose so what do you say to the people or 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 uh, i don't know if the question is more so is so how does one get to that point because everybody does not live on purpose um although some believe everybody has a purpose everybody is not living that purpose and so how do you get people to that point 
is it something that people have to come to the realization of their own or in, in, in your profession, Regina, how do you get people to that point when they come to you? I had to let them, first of all, some of the people that went through what I went through, you know, just had the awakening. And then some people are going to be able to enjoy the fact of my awakening because my awakening is my purpose and my purpose is to serve and to show you that you have one too. We all have jobs here. We all have jobs to do different things. You got coaches want to do the money thing. You want to do whatever. Mine is purpose. So that's what God gave me. So help people who don't realize they're not living their purpose. But a lot of other people will have divine orders and things that happen in their lives and that's going to wake them up and they're going to, everybody has revealing moments. It's up to you to decide that you're going to recognize it. It, We've been thumped on the head many times. We've been thumped. We've been pushed. We've been shoved. We've been tapped on the shoulder. A lot of us already had signs already. We annoying them. We, we just decided we're not going to pay attention to them. It's not saying it never happened. That's to it. Us. Yeah. <laughs> I want y'all to think about what she just said. Think about what she just said. And that is, I think that is also a key when you think about coming to this, coming to this moment. She said, we all have had awakening moments. We've all had that. If if you think about it in your lifetime, I'm I'm not just talking about everybody here. I'm talking about everybody. You, you all, we all had awakening moments, but a lot of people in our society have made a choice to ignore them. So they they are willfully staying asleep to purpose rather than awakening to it because of these moments that keep reoccurring. Because I truly believe when one moment happens, sometimes it's like, ah, we think, oh, because of our programming, just a coincidence. Then you have another moment, could be similar, could be along the same vein. But you have repetitive, Regina said, repetitive moments throughout your life that are revealing. She said revealing, but you choose to ignore them. And your choice to ignore them is why you're stuck. And that's called the chat and the ra- that's chatting, that, that's the taste, the chase, the chase, the chat, that tail chase. That's what it is. And then you got your friends, Mika, that go out of their way to make sure you have vegan meals. I was going to ask that same question. How many people have you had to let go of? I Okay, for, first I'm going to change that let go to just letting it flow, right? I, you don't put too much to me like, girl, I'm out of here. I'm done with you. No, <laughs> you, you just let it let life flow. See, that's the thing about this process. You got to let life just flow. Don't control, just let it flow. So when things start happening, they're going to automatically exit stage left on their own. You don't have to do it. Because they didn't want to hear all this yin yang. They didn't want to hear about all this greatness and all this stuff. They ain't, man, I ain't listen to all that. They're going to leave you anyway. Now, the ones that's going to stay around are the ones that's going to sit there. Either they're going to sit there and just wait for you to, you know, I told you I ain't mess ain't going to work. Come on back. Or they're going to be like, well, maybe there's something to this. Let me just watch it and see how she progressed. And then if it's something I feel comfortable with at the time, then I'll maybe jump on it. You know, so you don't know people's motives until they, they kind of do what they got to do. But you know what you can do, control your narrative. And if you start feeling, then that's another thing. You start falling, falling, falling pulling apart because you're going to start noticing things differently. I like the movie The Matrix is a perfect example. I didn't watch it the same 
when I watched it after I went through this, it's a whole nother movie. I couldn't believe how it really is so real of how we see things. And when we nicely take the veil off and notice that, oh, I used to do this with you too, huh? Well, I can't do this no more, so I'm going to have to leave this party because I used to do that, but I don't do that no more. It's a lot of things that I don't do no more. You know, like sometimes, I'm, just something simple. Oh, do you have time? You know, I've been watching this. I've been, I was like, yo, I don't have time for that. I can't, I, I'm working. I'm doing podcasts. I'm doing TV shows. I'm doing conferences. I'm doing, I don't have time to binge watch. See, and then you have that connection with that person. They're like, oh, she thinks she's better. Or she thinks she is. I'm like, no, I'm just different. I'm on a different level right now. Not better than you. It's just different. I don't have time to do that no more. That stuff like that will separate you from people very easily. Simple things that you think is not a big deal is a big deal for some people. You know, like if, you, if you're trying to lose weight and you don't want to go eat out all the time and then the person likes to eat and that's what y'all bonded with. You bonded with food. Yeah, bother eating and drinking. And they like, no, nah, I don't drink and eat like that no more. Then they go, well, what we have, what we have in common? What we have in common? A lot of people a lot of people don't believe that, Regina. That, that's the reason why they're holding on to the things of old is because they don't believe that. They seem to think in the life that they've lived that certain people that started the journey with them is going to be on the journey the entire time. And I have learned people that start with you Ain't necessarily the people that's going to end with you and the people that end with you are not necessarily going to be the people that start with you. And so we have this thing with, especially with friends that we don't want to lose them. And that sometimes we don't want to, we don't want to allow friends to be replaced because of how we live in our minds and what we think about. So, and that was a great example, Mika, uh, of saying that we live in, we stay on the fence when it comes to our life and we can't ring out our, dirty ass sponge we won't even clean it <laughs> because because we won't re replace the sponge we won't we, we won't do like you, you think about this we see this oftentimes and this is this is a prime example and i think regina said this earlier by just uh, observing people's lives we live in a day of social media where people can pretend to be everything However, when you actually sit back and observe people, I am good at listening to what people say. So I hear things they're not saying. That's, you know what I'm saying? So, so when you actually observe people, you get to hear everything. You get to see everything because of how you're viewing it. It's not, you're not viewing it from the same tainted lens that everybody else is looking at life through. So in essence, when you start thinking about wringing out your sponge, you, we got to understand that there's going to be some friends in that sponge that need to be wrung out, some family in that sponge, some life issues that we've carried forever in that sponge. There's a host of things in that sponge that we need to wring out. But you guys ever been in somebody's house and they got a dirty ass sponge washing clean, wiping clean dishes off of you? Like, that don't make sense. It's just, it's, it, it, it's don't make sense at all. It's just disappearing. It's all shriveled up. And it's like, they like I'm going to use it to the last bit. <laughs> it's disintegrating, but I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it to the last bit. We are scared of change. Like, so we scared of change. <laughs> Fence, we scared of change. Scared of we change. need to know everything. We scared of the unknown. So when you made when Mika made that, that comment about getting rid of stuff, it's not getting rid of the stuff is a problem. It's scared of the unknown of what's gonna happen when you do it. And guess what the beauty of it is? You don't know. That's the beauty. Cause you can't it can't be worse. Right. It can never be worse than where you at. You already know where you at, so it can't be worse than that. 
So if anything, it's going to be better. Now it's going to be better, meaning not your better. It's not your better. Right. It's going to be, it's going to be universe's better. better. <laughs> because see, the journey uh-huh. doesn't just end right at that, that one stop. You may have a situation that you, you, you going to be in, right? It's going to take you down Sycamore. It's going to take you down Maine. It's going to take you down Smith. It's going to take you through a lot of different, because those tools are on them streets that you got to pick up like a game. You got to pick up those tools. They can't take you straight from Sycamore to Maine because you're going to miss the tools on the way. Because you need those tools when you get to Main Street. Because you get to Main Street before your time, you're going to mess it up. So you got to go through these side streets. And those are the journeys, the valleys, and the hills, and the peaks that you got to go through. So when you think of the mindset, change the mindset of saying, okay, I'm not going to know what's going to happen. But I know it's going to be better. And I know I'm going to learn lessons during this journey. Because at the end of this journey, I'm going to be able to be victorious and I'm going to be able to be where I need to be. You just do the possible. Let him do the impossible. You just do your work and then let the universe figure out the road. You know the beginning and you know your end. Never try to figure out the middle. That's our problem. We try to figure out the middle. You just make a goal for the beginning and you make a goal for the end and let the middle just do its thing. And you'll just, and I guarantee you, your life would be so much better. Let's let it flow. So, Regina, you have five recipes to wringing out your sponge. And you gave us one. You said uh, learning how to be grateful. So what's the other four? Um, learning to be grateful. You need to learn to, like I said, let it flow. Never, never fix the middle. Leave the middle alone. And enjoy the journey. Enjoy it. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Uncomfortable, being uncomfortable is beautiful. It's a good thing. You should not want to be comfortable. When you're comfortable, that means you're not growing, you're stagnant. And when you're not stagnant, when you're stagnant, you cannot do, you can't be your best. You can't be your best person. So anything that makes you uncomfortable, do it. Do it. Because it's not going to do anything but make you grow and it's going to stretch your, stretch that muscle, that faith muscle. We don't have faith muscles no more. We, we want everything to be told to us. And that faith muscle is what makes us grow as a person. So let me ask you this. this uh, uh, we got a couple more questions because we got to get you out of here. How do you remove – when, when we think about wringing out our sponges, when we think about getting off the fence, the catalyst to a lot of that is fear. So how, would you, how do you tell people or how does a person remove that fear? In, in order for, well, I, let, me, let me ask it like this. How do you remove fears and, and, and turn your thoughts into reality? How would one go about doing that? You know what? I just thought about what you said about your, the name of your show, On the Fence. Off the Fence. When you Off the Fence. Well, Off the Fence. But I'm thinking about like Humpty Dumpty on the fence, right? Ah. It's harder to balance on a fence. You got to use a lot of muscles. You got to use <laughs> core. You got to use legs. Think about how much work it is for you to balance on a fence. You know what I'm saying? It takes more work to do that than to just jump off and just try something. Just jump off and try. It'd be so much easier than you try to balance yourself and you're scared and you're sitting on this fence with your legs shivering and shaking and you're trying to stay because it's comfortable and complacent. Jump off the fence and just try something new. So I that's how I can get your that. ass off that fence. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get off the fence. You like, like they say, you jump off the porch. That's the, the saying they say. You need to jump off the porch, like whatever. But you, you, that fear is gonna paralyze you. 
And that's where you sit there and, and crumble. But when you try something, let me tell you what failure means. This is what failure means. Failure means doing nothing. That's the word failure means. Reprogram failure in your head. It means doing nothing. What's not failure is trying everything. And guess what happens? If you try it and it's not what you thought, it's one of those tools you're just going to go down another street. But a person who don't do anything, that's a failure because they're scared and they don't want to move. That's failure. I love it. All right. Uh, we got to get you out of here. So if people want to connect with you offline, how can they do so? So simple. My website is www.letstalk1943.com. Everything's on my website. So you want motivational speaking, you want my merchandise, my books, my journals, um, my podcast, my TV shows, my appearances, everything is on there. So you can find me on there. All right. Well, listen, we thank you so much for coming on the fence. And I I have no doubt in my mind, you've gotten a lot of asses off the fence today. So thank you so much for stopping by. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to give us a follow, rate us, and leave a comment because we love to hear your thoughts. And until next time, get your ass off the fence.